boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Oh my goodness, this topic is so important to me because it took me way too long to learn the value of boundaries in my life, in my relationships, and in my business. So I cannot wait because this episode is full, jam-packed, full of gold nuggets around how to set the healthiest of boundaries so you can live your best life with the absolute boundary boss, who I'm going to get into in a second. So If you're a boss in your business or you're a boss in some aspects of your life, but you can't bring yourself to speak up in relationships or even with certain clients, we're going to get into how to fix that, remedy that, so you can be at ease and in flow with your family, your friends, and your team, and your business, and everything in your life. So let's do the damn thing. I'm Sunny Linarduzzi. Welcome to the Sunny Show podcast for the bright side of being your own boss and building your own life. My definition of being your own boss means showing up for yourself so you can show up for everyone and everything else personally and professionally. So congratulations on showing up, boss. I promise to support you on your journey with every single episode. Let's begin. I call her the queen of boundaries or the boundary boss. (laughs) The amazing Terry Cole is on the show today. Terry Cole is a licensed psychotherapist and global leading expert in female empowerment, meditation, relationships, and well-being. For two decades, Terry has worked with some of the world's most well-known personalities from international pop stars to Fortune 500 CEOs, and she empowers over 100,000 women weekly through her platform, her signature courses, Real Love Revolution and Boundary Bootcamp, her online community, and her popular podcast, The Terry Cole Show. I had the chance to meet Terry for the first time last February, and we got to speak at the same conference, Rise. Shout out to Mandy, who organized an amazing conference in Calgary. And something she said hit so close to home for me about the need for creating boundaries and the danger of oversharing and false intimacy. So I knew I needed to go deeper with her on this topic, and I cannot wait to hear what you get out of this episode. So on that note, if you are excited about this episode, if you have an aha moment, please take a screenshot and tag me at Sunny Leonard Uzi and Terry on Instagram and let us know what your takeaways are and what you got out of this podcast. I love seeing your feedback and I love sharing it on my own story. Also, if you haven't yet, leave this podcast a rating on iTunes and be sure to give us a review. We do pick a winner every month to win a $250 Amazon gift card out of people who do review the podcast. So make sure that you do that you could win a gift card. So finally, I wanted to say that we've actually put together an entire workbook because this episode is so jam-packed full of goodness with all the appropriate links, all the key takeaways, all the highlights, all the work that you can start doing to set those healthy boundaries in your life. And you can grab it below this and you can also grab it at sunnyleonarduzzi.com slash zero nine four. Without further ado, let's get into some boundaries. Welcome to the show, Terry. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to be here, Sunny. <laughs> so obviously this time of year, uh, the boundaries and the idea of boundaries comes up a lot. And, and I know that it's on my mind. I know that it's on the listener's mind. Um, and you actually spoke at a conference that I was speaking at in February. Um, and, and you said something that hits so close to home with me and I think is so pertinent and a really good tone to set for this, which is, and I'm going to probably butcher it because you're fairly, very eloquent, but 
you said something along the lines of um, basically when people sort of share everything right up front, that's fake vulnerability. And it's also sort of like faking it and building a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard someone say that like that. Um, And again, I think I butchered, butchered it, but I think it's a really important thing for the listener to hear. It was important for me to hear. Because I think so many times when we're building relationships or even when we're trying to like remedy relationships with family, et cetera, we just spill our guts out. And on social media around this time of year, there's also a tendency to sort of get into the warm and fuzzies and overshare. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start there. And if you want to more eloquently like wrap up what mm-hmm. you meant by that, <laughs> that would be amazing. Let's dive in. Okay. So when we talk about boundaries, let's let's just get clear about the difference. Like a lot of times I think there's an illusion that boundaries are either weak or strong. And that's not the way that I talk about or teach about or write about boundaries because they're either functional or dysfunctional. Because a lot of times you'll have people who have quote unquote strong boundaries, but but they don't. They're too rigid. They're they're keeping people out. So it's not weak and strong. We're going to look at functional and dysfunctional and dysfunctional boundaries get in the way of you creating what you want in your life. So that's how you know if you're struggling with boundaries, right? So in the way in intimacy and sharing, anything that is real is usually built over time. And so the reason why I say if you meet someone and you, you know, you you feel compelled to tell them the worst thing that ever happened in your life one drunken night, or even if you're not drunk, some people just do this because they mistake um, this oversharing with vulnerability. And I guess it is vulnerability, but it isn't healthy vulnerability. So I make the distinction between voluntary vulnerability, like you've shared something with someone in a mindful way because they've already proven themselves to be someone who is trustworthy. So someone you meet at a bar or someone you've known for 48 hours, you don't know that there's someone who's trustworthy. And I'm not saying be paranoid. I'm saying appropriate intimacy, real intimacy is built over time. So we have evidence from that other person, like, oh, they do what they say they're going to do. I told them something and they showed compassion, um, as opposed to, oh, I told them something on the first night. And then four days later, when we had a tense moment, they threw it in my face. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, and (laughs) just as you're saying it, I'm like, I've done this so many times. Um, but I've learned a lot over the last couple of years. And I think in past relationships is really when it sort of is glaringly obvious to me that a lot of my initial bonding with partners was to overshare um, in the beginning and almost get like that false sense of compassion or empathy from them. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like you just said, it can it can kind of come back to bite you. And I think I think for me, for a long time, and why I love your work so much and why I wanted to have you on the podcast, especially at this time of year, because we're heading into a time of year when we're going to be around our family. It's a lot of more like triggers that could potentially come up is because I thought that boundaries always meant you were closed off mm-hmm. and that you couldn't actually create real relationships. So how are boundaries actually beneficial in creating real intimacy, in creating real relationships? Well, the truth, according to Terry Cole, is that boundaries are actually the the only bridge to 
real, healthy, vibrant, durable, sound relationships. So they're not the block. And that is one of the biggest myths that are out there. Why I'm writing a book about it right now is because so many people have this misunderstanding. So let me tell you how, in my estimation of, you know, being a psychotherapist for 22 years, what I've seen, what I've experienced, how they're the bridge is that when we have disordered boundaries, right, we are all raised to be good girls, to be nice. So what does that mean? Well, that means that a lot of times we may not tell the truth about how we feel about something. We have difficulty saying no, right? We don't want to confront someone. We don't want to offend anyone. So what ends up happening is we think that that is being loving, but really it's a fear-based action and it's actually simply being dishonest. We're like giving the people in our life wrong information about us. And then we wonder why we feel alone. We wonder why we're in a relationship and we feel like the person doesn't know us. Oh, because they don't, because we're not telling them the truth, unless it's good. For a lot of women, if things are positive, it's fine. You're wonderful. I appreciate you, la, la, la. But if you have something to say, if you don't like something or the way that the person behaved or a tone of voice or even something that they're doing sexually, right? A lot of times, what if you don't tell that person? You know, you could be in a relationship for four decades with someone doing something they think is like their special trick in bed that you hate. Can you imagine? How would you (laughs) withholding that information from you? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I, but also I can't imagine that, but I also can understand how it happens because I know I definitely have that nice girl mentality. And I've talked to so many of our listeners too, about the fact that they're like this boss in their, in their business and um, in their professional life, they can handle anything. But in their relationships, they really struggle or even finding a relationship, they really struggle because they don't really know how to, I guess, boss up in a relationship and be able to have those tough conversations. So I can understand how it sort of does slip by. I mean, in that example is probably the most vulnerable of them all when it comes to intimacy and sexual relationships. And it's like, I know there's someone listening right now being like, okay, my partner does do this thing that I don't really like. And I've never been able to tell him or her. Um How do you even approach a conversation like that? Well, you know, there's always, there's all these ways that I teach like boundary language in the, in the course that I teach, it's called boundary bootcamp. And there's the thing I call the boundary Bible that I created with all kinds of phraseology and different schools of thought around how to draw boundaries, but you can always start with something positive. So it isn't like you need to um, humiliate or harm, or quote unquote, sort of confront the other person, you could say, you know, I really love it when, and say the thing you love when they do. And if they're doing the thing you don't like, you can gently move them and say, hey, can you move up here and do this? Like make a suggestion. So it isn't like you need to confess after four decades that you never told them, but your (laughs) sexual desires can also change and grow as you do. And you can do it in a positive way. And even when we're drawing a boundary that is, um, we're saying something negative or that we don't like, or we're, we're making what I call a simple request of someone, because really anything you ask anyone to do, it can be a simple request, whether they'll do it or not, you know, that remains to be seen. Instead of being like, we have to talk, you know, because nobody wants to talk to you 
when you <laughs> say <laughs> you text someone while they're at work, like when you get home tonight, we have to talk. Do you ever want to talk to someone when they do that? No, because it's always bad news. <laughs> it's never it's good. It's always bad news. But the, the, the need for the preview, right? Mm-hmm. And I always say this in the course and to women in my groups, like, we feel compelled to be like, I'm going to let them know that there's a new boundary sheriff in town and everything's going to change. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> We're not doing that at all. Because all you need to do is change. Mm-hmm. The, because every relationship, as uh, the brilliant Dr. Harriet Lerner talks about in her book series, you know, the, the Dance of Anger, the Dance of Intimacy, the Dance of Marriage, she has a bunch of great books out. Is she, she likens our relationships to dances. So we do a particular dance. And when you change the dance, initially the other person's going to be like, hey, what's going on? I thought we were doing like a foxtrot. Like, why are you doing the Lindy or whatever, right? Dances. I just aged myself or those are my mother's dances. But <laughs> no, you got I, the I love those. Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, when we start to be more honest in our lives, it, it's small steps, simply giving yourself permission to say no when someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do. And in the boundary, you know, the, the Bible, I give a million examples of how you can say it, but, but we don't even get to that part. And the reason I don't sell that boundary Bible separately, even though everyone in the world would like to buy it, is because without the psychological work that I teach you to do because so much of this stuff is unconscious. We have what I call downloaded boundary blueprints and our unconscious mind, which are basically like an architectural blueprint for a house that someone else designed. So basically we learn about boundaries from the family we grew up in, the culture, the country we grew up in, how, how sort of misogynistic the country is, the culture is, has everything to do with the way that you can draw boundaries and still have it be a safe thing to do. But before you can start changing anything, you really have to get intimate and understand what is in your boundary blueprint. What did you see growing up? I came from a family where nobody was allowed to be angry and there was no fighting. So I learned all of this indirect communication if I'm annoyed or upset. So, I mean, now, of course, obviously a million years later, I figured it out because I've been in therapy for 30 years and I've been a psychotherapist for 22 years. But in my 20s, if I was upset at a boyfriend, I would just be withdrawn in anger. I would just Mm. share the heavy sigh. (sighs) Right? Not say what the problem is. I would be passive aggressive. In, In my communication, I would be stomping around. I might slam a door. And then when the person would say, what's wrong? I'd be like, nothing. (laughs) Oh, way way to block your own needs getting met. Like, why say nothing? But part of it is that I didn't know how. I didn't know what to say. I was very habituated in these ways of showing annoyance or discomfort or anger. And so it it takes time to go, okay, so what does my boundary blueprint look like? Did people speak truthfully in my family of origin? Who had the power in my parents' relationship? Was it a very sort of gender normative, like 1950s power structure, like my family was, where my father made the money, my mother did kind of all the work and raised the kids, and there was no communication. So I had no idea how to have a real conversation. My mother taught me that men were people to be managed. The end. Right. And and like... 
you've obviously, I mean, come so far and you just mentioned psychotherapist for 22 years, um, you know, going to therapy for 30 years. And I've been very open about the fact that I think therapy is a wonderful thing. And like, I think everyone on the planet probably could benefit from going in their life. Um, so I appreciate that you're talking about it. And I would love to know for you, because you are, for me, you are the boundary boss. Like you are the queen of all boundaries. I love following you on social media. I love everything you put out there and say, cause I'm like, yes, as a woman, it's so empowering for me to see a woman with boundaries. And I feel like it's a topic that is sort of like, we all know it's a thing and we all know we should have boundaries in our lives, but it's really effing hard to actually implement and put it to practice. So I appreciate your work because you actually help people do that. But for yourself, I mean, you've had quite the interesting life and trajectory and you've had different careers. Mm-hmm. How have how did everything in your life sort of accumulate into you doing what you do now? Can you give us a bit of a background and go behind the boss, I guess, of of how you got to where you are now and how you developed the skill sets that you have around boundaries? Sure. Um, part of what sort of really shoved me over the top of knowing that I needed to like really decode this whole thing with boundaries is that I was a talent agent for a bunch of years for supermodels and celebrities. So I was negotiating contracts basically for a living, but I was dealing with a very entitled group of people and I had the disease to please like many women listening to this podcast and many women, this is how we're socialized, right? Niceness, like the highest virtue ever supposedly, but it really isn't. Because saying yes when you really want to say no isn't nice. It's just lying. But mm-hmm. but we, we're, we're raised to like not be a drama queen. We don't want to make waves. We don't want people to think that we're a bitch. All of these, these fearful things that basically we've been taught to abandon ourselves every day, all effing day long. And mm-hmm. so... When I was in this sort of extreme place, and I I was very successful, I was running a talent agency in my early 30s. So in one way, I was still a boss, but I was working myself to death. So my whole thing was like, well, I'll just work more than other people. And I had no problem. Like I didn't, I didn't have the disease to please when I was negotiating a contract for Naomi Campbell. Do you know what I mean? I had no problem being like, you should pay her tons of money. It was more with the clients themselves. So it, there's a lot of codependency that we are basically indoctrinated into this culture of codependency. And I was very codependent with my clients, with other people. I didn't want anyone to be upset. I wanted everyone to be happy. I didn't want anyone to ever be mad at me. Through the process of doing that, though, like I really got to a burnout place and I realized that, A, there's definitely something better that I could be doing with my life than making Naomi Campbell richer than she already was. <laughs> so that was that was one realization. But also that I in therapy at that time, I had the whole realization about how I did not have healthy boundaries. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know the language of it. I knew something was missing because I was frustrated, easy to anger, in pain, stuffing my anger um, by eating too much or drinking. You know, there were so many ways of like trying to numb this feeling of being unempowered. And once I got to it in therapy that I was probably never going to feel actually empowered in such a kind of toxic business, because that was very toxic for me, incredibly um, 
you know, objectifying of women. I mean, we get it, whatever. I don't, I don't need to explain why the world of supermodels might not be the healthiest place for women to be. <laughs> um, but I had this aha moment. And then I got diagnosed with cancer. And this was something that really, I mean, the, there's no full stop harder than something that you fear might shorten your lifespan. So I had to take a long, hard look at all parts of my life. I did like a fearless inventory, I call it, where I was like, but really, dude, like, are you living your best life? And the answer was no. And I was already on my way out of the entertainment business. I already knew that I wanted to become a psychotherapist because of how much therapy changed my life. I stopped drinking when I was 21 because of a therapist that I was with at the time um, who was like, oh, hey, uh, what you're describing is alcoholic behavior. And I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Everyone I know drinks like this. She's like, well, I don't care because um, I'm only seeing you. And if you don't actually get help, I will um, basically end our relationship. Wow. And I was like, wait, are you even allowed to break up with me? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> what is going on? Um, but that, of course, that was like the, the the beginning of a huge pivot. Once I was clean and sober, I was able to, even though I was still doing all this codependent and crappy boundary um, behavior in the entertainment business, I was painfully aware that I finally got it. Like, it's not the business terror. It's you. Mm -hmm. You have to change. It isn't, I was trying to change the business. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. well, we should treat the models with respect and we should do this and that and whatever. I'm like, no, you're again avoiding what really needs to happen, which is that you, Terry Cole, you need to get right with yourself. And through, you know, an amazing relationship with an amazing therapist, over time, I really started understanding how misunderstood boundaries are and how I would never create the life that I wanted or the love that I wanted. At that point, I was like, I don't want to get married. I've had a bunch of amazing careers. There's no way I'm going to, I mean, I really just didn't believe, like, how am I meeting anyone now when I have this level of success, I make my own money, and like, I don't need someone. I want someone. And that was the message from my mother, for sure. She was like, get get an education, make your own money. So love can be um, a want and not a need. And I had to really reject my mother's whole and my family, you know, the, the family that is my crew or my tribe. This whole thing that men are less than, I had to really, through therapy, be like, no, I think that maybe one day I could find someone who is like my best friend someone who I respect, who has their own success, who doesn't need my money. I don't, I don't care. You don't have to have a ton of money. You just can't need my money. Like, like just be successful enough that you can pay for a vacation or two. That'd be great. And so anyway, back to trying to long way around the barn, as Janny Cole would say, to get back to the, the obsession with boundaries is that my life started changing so rapidly in a good way when I really started understanding and being way more truthful and being kind. It's it's really getting rid of the notion that in order to draw appropriate boundaries, you have to be mean or hard. Because I have learned and I've taught thousands of women around the world how to draw boundaries with ease and grace. And to really see that drawing them is the most loving thing that you can do. You're giving your partner, you're giving your friend or your sister the chance to A, 
actually know you, but B, to, to step up. You're holding a higher version or vision for them in your mind by saying, if I tell them how I feel about this, they're, yes, I'm vulnerable because there's a chance they won't care how I feel, or there's a chance that they'll shame me for how I feel or tell me I shouldn't feel that way. But there's also a chance that they'll care and be grateful that I told them and change their behavior, even the small things. Because if we think about the relationships that we're in, it's like when I first met my, I, and I, I did find love and I, I am married um, for the last 20 years and very happy. When I met my husband, he was very, very happy. He was widowed and he was very happy to find me. He had three acting out teenage sons. His life was like, a, according to him, a nightmare. He was a very successful political artist in the U.S. He still is. And I was like, I don't even care. You could have like 44 teenagers. You're, I want to do this every day until the end of time, whatever this entails. So you got kids now? I got kids. Great. Let's just, let's figure this thing out. But I had said to him one time, hey, I really want to know if there's anything that I do that like kind of gets on your nerves or bothers you. I really want you to tell me. So in the beginning of the relationship, I would say this periodically every six weeks, every two months. And he'd be like, you always want me to be mad about something. I'm not mad. Nothing's wrong. You know, I'm like, I don't want you to be mad. I just want you to tell me because I actually care about how you feel and what you want. And maybe I'm doing something, but I don't know it. But if you tell me, I can stop doing it. So finally, after like the fifth conversation, he was like, you know, when you wash your hair, you have all that hair. Some You like leave it in the drain. Is there any way you could like take it out of the drain after you wash it? I was like, yes, there is. And I would love to do that. And that's an example of sort of being honest about something that seems small. Yeah. But if we have a lot of those things that build up, every time you see that person and they're doing that thing that annoys you that you don't tell them, it's like you're building, instead of building goodwill, you're building resentment. Yes. I, I went all the way around the barn on that one. I, I don't know. Did I answer the question? So? No, you totally did. And there was like, I was like, holy crap, there's so many gold nuggets in this. I can't even handle it. Um, <laughs> so like, I feel like I was, I just learned so much from all of that, but it all makes so much sense. And I think that there's a couple of reasons why I wanted you to tell your whole story, because obviously we we have a lot of entrepreneurs in our audience. And I think there's a misconception that just because you're doing what you're doing right now, that has to be the thing that you do for the rest of your life. And I think a lot of what fulfills you the most tends to be the things that are part of your story. And like boundaries are such an evident part of your story. And you just picked up on that. Now you have a whole business around it. And for me, it's different. But my whole life, I was making videos like from the time I was really little, I would make videos for birthdays, for boyfriends, for anniversaries, for everybody, because I honestly thought that that was everyone's favorite gift and that everyone in the world did that. And it took me <laughs> a long time. And actually reading our friend Danielle Laporte's um, book, Firestarter Sessions, took me until I read that to be like, oh, that's the thing that comes most easily to me. And I get a lot of gratitude for maybe that's the thing. And like, now I built a whole business around that. So that was part of the reason I wanted you to share that. But also just so many good gold nuggets in there about not only boundary setting, but also relationships. And as I mentioned before, I mean, it's that time of year, it's the holidays, I think people get really worked up about 
their family situation, whether it's good or bad, families are just a hotbed for triggers. And they're a hotbed for sometimes some really uncomfortable situations or conversations. And just like you said, you have the downloaded boundary blueprint and everybody's kind of got that um, in them. And so you almost like, I find that I sometimes will revert back to being like the little girl version of me who really cannot speak up for herself. (laughs) And like has no idea how to set boundaries without going from one extreme to the other. Like my way of that I used to set boundaries with people would be basically going from being like super nice girl, super eager to please to like being an absolute asshole and bitch. And I've now come to realize I don't have to do that. And there's other ways that I can go around doing it. But I know that there is someone listening right now being like, I'm about to head home to see my family or I'm surrounded by more family at this time of year. I'm feeling a little uneasy about it or I need to have a difficult conversation or there's this one family member who gets on my nerves so bad. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do? Like, what are some small practices that I can do or use to make the holiday season truly enjoyable? Okay. So I got tons of ideas. I call it uh, de-stress the holiday mess. Um <laughs> And the first thing is that you, you, first of all, you have to really do an inventory. So much of the work that I do, I've created these five pillars of self-mastery. And the first one is awareness. So we raise awareness about, huh, all right, so so how does it usually go? What is the repetition when I go home for the holidays? So that you can look and go, oh, here are the pitfalls. Um, I drink too much. Okay, P.S., this year, I'm not going to. Or maybe I'm not going to drink at all. Or I feel compelled to spend all this money I don't have on people. I'm not doing that this year either. Like you have to make decisions for yourself and see the way that you're abandoning yourself or setting yourself up to have a miserable experience and really just have some conversations about it or make a decision for yourself. Someone, I had a client who was telling me about how uh, she had a mother-in-law who for years, she got married, she has kids now and the mother-in-law insisted that all of her children, grown children, and their spouses come and spend Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, at their house, like sleepover. Well, I was like, yeah, okay, this year, that's not happening. So, uh, yeah. and the mother-in-law was like, you know, a manipulative narcissist. And I was like, here's the thing. You're grown up. You have children. Do you want to see them? Do, do you want them to see you being run over by your mother-in-law? Make your own experience and then see them after the holiday or whatever, even though, you know, it's going to blow up, you know, the person's going to lose their mind, but that's an extreme example of like continuing to do something that made this person miserable. And of course she was able to change it. And, you know, she also made her husband step up because anytime I can tell you right now, those another tidbit for those listening, if you have conflict with one of your in-laws, it is unresolved bullshit between your partner and their, that parent. Mm. So the natural triangulation happens. That person, the, the parent is trying to suck you into it and either make you be a replacement for their kid or make you manipulate or whatever it is. So just know that and don't take on that role. That is so 1950s where you're like, oh, I, I talk to his mother all the time. He never does or she never does. You're like, why? Make them have a relationship because the thing is, I can tell you, I mean, unless you super love the person, fine. But if you're doing it in place of the actual child, it's not going to be great. There's definitely a dysfunctional something happening there. Anyway, the first thing, first thing you're going to do is do an inventory of like, what are the things that suck the most? And then give yourself the permission to opt out of some of them. 
if you make yourself go to every holiday party, but basically half of them you hate, just decide you're not doing it this year. And tell people, hey, you know what? It's actually been too much. I'm exhausted, so I'm, I'm sorry, but I hope you guys have a great time. We're not coming. And you cannot have the disease to please and draw appropriate boundaries at the same time. Expect to be uncomfortable. It's okay if people don't love a decision you make. That's the only way you're going to love the decisions you make if you go. Okay, it's okay. They're a little miffed. They're going to get over it. But if you continue abandoning yourself for the quote unquote, you know, to keep the peace, but I call it fake peace because you're resentful as hell. Yeah. So you're and it's sort of just like bubbies. Yeah. And you're really just like, it's kind of like there is a really good quote again. I'm going to butcher it, but it's about like how the ocean is actually still, but the waves and everything come from below the surface. And so it, that's how I kind of visualize it is like, yes, you're keeping the peace because on the surface level, you're going with it and, and appeasing everybody. But <laughs> below the surface, you're ready to explode and you're just sort of suppressing it and it's going to come out one yeah. way or the other. So yes. Cheryl Richardson has a great quote like that. Like when you do something to keep the peace, you create a war inside yourself or something like that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so true. And, but the real thing is don't abandon all your self care routines, no matter what you're doing. So if you're a meditator, which I hope you are, please still get up early enough to meditate. Don't eat a million sweets. Don't use this. You know, if, if your repetition is every year at the holidays, you gain 20 pounds and you're effing miserable come January too. Like don't, do that to yourself because it's not healthy. Don't over drink. Don't use it as an excuse to get hammered for like 20 days in a row. And if you're doing that, you're numbing something and you got to look at that. Also, don't subject yourself to wasted people, Mm -hmm. right? Like don't, if they're not going to remember, you will not be able to forget. So if Uncle Jack is always inappropriate and a total jerk and a total alcoholic. Just stay the hell away from him. Talk to the people that you like. And if he comes to talk to you, be like, oh my God, I'm just going to the bathroom. I'll be right back. We're so afraid of being rude that we are nice at the expense of ourselves, quote unquote. But it is it nice to collude with the lowest part of Uncle Jack's alcoholism. It's really not. And it's pointless because it's you throwing yourself under the bus. So part of it is get honest with yourself. Who feeds you? Who do you like to spend time with? And also keep it short. Do not go home for like eight days. That is crazy. I mean, what do they say? Like family is like fish. Like I say four days tops if they live far and less is better if they don't. (laughs) <laughs> Even family you like, unless you're going to get your own, you're, you're going to rent an Airbnb or stay in a hotel so that it's a bit of a break for you. But going into your the home, potentially that you grew up in, how is it not going to make us all revert back to being 12? Like it, it just does. Family has this tendency, like you said, Sunny, before, of making us revert back to being like who we were at that point, because people keep us in a certain place in time. Like they don't want us to change. They're like, oh yeah, you know how she is. She's so bossy. It's like my friends from home. They're like, oh yeah, you know, Terry used to sit in the front seat. Cause you know, I'm like, you guys, I was 16. Yeah. Like that was five decades ago, four decades. Like, stop. Why, why are you still making me be like I was when I was a junior in high school? I've right. changed. We can change. So stop over committing, stop overcooking, stop overspending. These are all things that make the holidays suck. 
It's a funny thing because what you just said is so true. And I, I never really thought about it that way before. But I think that's part of the reason why the holidays are challenging because it's also so much like overconsumption in every shape and form. And so it's like if you are feeling triggered and you want to numb yourself out, it's really easy to overspend, overeat, overdrink because it's so readily available to you at the holidays. The other thing that I want to talk about when it comes to boundaries and relationships um, is also with work because as an entrepreneur, like the holidays are a bit of an interesting time where you aren't really wanting to work, but you also can use that as an escape and also to numb yourself out. So as a business, we actually take two full weeks off. And that's something I'm super proud of is where we basically say like the holidays are a no-go zone where everybody's just going to chill out. We're going to relax and we'll be back in, in January. But I know not everybody has that luxury depending on the stage of the business that you're in. So how do you create boundaries with your business, with your clients around the holidays? Well, I think part of it is you have to be, again, take an inventory of yourself. Like if you're a real workaholic, if you're someone who has, like you said, used working so much to sort of numb feelings, or if you're very fear driven, that if I don't work my ass off throughout the holidays, then everything's going to fall apart. I'm going to lose it all. You really have to question those limiting beliefs and give yourself some time that is actually off. Mm. Some time that is actually off off. Stop checking. I mean, for years, I would I would do phone sessions with therapy clients when I was on vacation. Like, are you out of your effing mind? Of course you are. Like, take a vacation. What is wrong with you? But I learned that I wasn't doing them a favor either because it made me so resentful. I was like, can I have a vacation? Oh, no. Well, you're not. You Apparently, you don't think you can. So, mm. and I think this is important. So, you know, your business, you know, how much money you need to make. But a lot of times we're, we are really being bullied by clients, depending on, you know, what, what business you're in and boundaries with clients is so incredibly important, no matter what you're doing, because you are endlessly, we're teaching people how to treat us all the time. So we can be like, I can't believe Bob, that annoying client of mine, text me on Saturday. He's so nervy. Don't respond to Bob on Saturday. Reiterate, <laughs> reiterate to Bob that you do not text and stop texting. You gave it to him once because it was an emergency and he keeps using it. Stop. Yeah. Oh, hey, Bob, back to email. And I will not be responding on text. So, you know, like you just got to do it. You have to yeah. have proper contracts when you go yeah. into people. And this is the same thing in relationships, right? We have to have an understanding. We are managing people's expectations and our own. And that is, those are boundaries as well. It's so true. I love that. And it it is, I mean, it's the same thing. And no matter where you look, it's those old patterns and, and really taking audit of kind of your default modes when you are feeling disempowered, I guess. Um, and so the, the last thing I wanted to touch on, because again, this is a real um, interesting part of the holiday season is social media, because it's a really great time of the year to um, brag and show off and to talk about all of the things you're getting and, you know, all the wonderful parts of your life. It really is sort of when the highlight reel of social media kicks into high gear. Um, and I know that that can contribute to you know, anxiety or depression or just comparisonitis or whatever it may be. Um, so when it comes to social media, I would say this is at any time of the year. How do you operate and have boundaries around it? I have my own special ways of doing it, which I can touch on. But how do you operate in the world of social media? You're still using it as a business tool. Um, 
but you're also very strict around like i'm not going to be on this thing all the time yeah i mean it depends on what is happening in my business at that time as to how you know so i try not to i mean but but for me i'm kind of in a soft launch for the real love revolution that starts in february and so i don't i'm not obsessed with it because for me it really is a business tool so i don't get into any of the you know part of it like you said it could be a time for people to brag or whatever but i'm so busy like i'm never looking on social media being like well i wish i had that because i literally don't have time um, and the compare and despair, I think that a younger generation with social media is really impacted by that more than those of us who are older when it came out, because mm. it wasn't it wasn't a tool like in any of my formative life. So I've always had businesses without and actually I was slow to actually and I don't even think I've mastered it now. You know what I mean? Because it's it isn't a way of communicating. But I do think that something you you touched on before about you know, people sort of either oversharing or wanting to make it look a particular way. You have to understand what someone's business is. If people are influencers and this is their, you know, I know, you know, I have friends who are people who are, you know, we're actors, but now they have like a lifestyle brand type thing. Their job, they're they're being paid to show you this beautiful coat that they're and they're, you know, they've got an affiliate thing, whatever. Like I look at it and go, okay, well, there's a reason this person is doing it. This is, this is their livelihood at this point. So I think that it depends on your relationship to social media. If you use it as a tool to make yourself feel less than, then you have to look at that. And why are you doing that? If you use it as a business tool and it's great for your business, again, over the holidays, personally, I do less because I don't want to feel like I need to post while I'm at a <laughs> with my family. Like, I, I don't want to do that. And you, of course, you can schedule things and you can have someone on your team doing it, especially if it's something, if I'm putting out something legitimate, like a, a new, you know, episode of the Terry Cole show, then other people will be posting those things. That isn't interfering with my thing. And, and actually, they will have them scheduled. So I think it's about how you use it. There are many people who are very addicted to social media. And when it's going well, yay. And when it's going badly, ew. And that that's literally giving social media the power to mm. dictate your internal experience. So I, I'm super thumbs down on that. But it requires us to get our good stuff from ourselves and from our real relationships. You know, like we need to get that the positive um, feedback from the people who are in our actual real life, you know? Yes, I love that. I mean, I definitely slow down around the holidays. I usually actually completely take all social off my phone over the holidays just so I can have a real clean break and come back refreshed. Um, and also because I do really want to be present with my family and I want to be present with the, like you said, real relationships in my life. But no matter how you navigate it, I think that was such a great point, which is like, you're using social media, social media isn't using you. Um, and also, just being really conscious of how you consume it. Um, and that was a big shift for me was that I went from consumer to creator. And so anytime I'm going on social and I'm not perfect at it, of course, I can get into a scroll hole every once in a while as everyone does. But, right. but, but a lot of the times I go on there and I'm like, I'm here to create. So I'm on here to do that. I'm not looking at the feed. I'm not looking at what other people are doing. Um, so I think that's a really valuable point. So we're heading into the holidays, obviously, as I mentioned. Um, but this episode obviously applies to all times of the year and just living a better life and your best life by truly having those boundaries in place and being able to speak up and say what you want and what you don't want in your life. And so I think just applies all around. Um, and then obviously 
soon after Christmas, Valentine's Day is coming up. And I know that you're working on something really special for that. Do you want to dive into what that's all about? Yes, I actually um, have a course called The Real Love Revolution. And it's basically for single women and women in relationships. And um, it is a 12-week course. And really, it is my life's work. As much as I do work on boundaries, the boundary um, course that I have and the boundary work came out of the Real Love Revolution because it became so apparent that it was such a big problem communicating honestly. So basically, it's based it the the course itself is based on my five pillars of you know really it's a real love that's what it's about, and it's all about you. It's all about going back into your life and figuring out why are you the way you are when it comes to love. Because you know we've also been sold a bill of goods that like you know it's only for the lucky and only if the stars align, and you know one of my taglines is. It's not magic, it's psychology, because it is. (laughs) And the empowerment that you get. So basically, that's what I teach women to either, who are in relationships, how to really change their own dance in that relationship and with themselves to create it, either the relationship they really want or to get to the truth that maybe it's not the right relationship for them. And for single women, we do a whole thing about you know, attracting your beloved, like like literally uncovering your love light to such a degree that your beloved finds you. Mm, I love that. And I know that there's me a lot of people who are eager to join and, and get in on that. And no, I'm not an affiliate for this program, but I just know how powerful Terry's work is. So if people are interested um, and want to find out more about you, I know that you have um, a downloadable love blueprint PDF and guided meditation at terrycole.com slash gift. And we're going to include all the resources from this episode and actually a total recap and little workbook with the key highlights and takeaways. Um, at sunnyleonarduzzi.com slash 094. So you can find all the links applicable there uh, on my website. So thank you so much, Terry. I think this is going to be so helpful. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you screenshot it, tag myself, tag Terry on Instagram and let us know what your big takeaways were from the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Sunny. It was a ball. I mean, right? Was that not a good freaking episode? So I have so many takeaways from this episode and we have compiled the biggest highlights, the biggest takeaways at sunnylinnerduzzi.com slash 094. We've put together an entire workbook for this episode. So please go there and make sure you grab that. If you haven't yet, please take a screenshot, share this episode out on Instagram, share it with your friends, share it with your family who need to hear this and need to know about how to set healthy boundaries. It's so, so important. And the more people we can reach with this podcast, the more we can keep it going and keep creating this amazing free content for you. If you haven't yet, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you do, you could be entered to win a $250 Amazon gift card. So please take a second right now to just go do that. It'll take you all of five minutes and it means the world to me. I read all of them. So I hope you enjoyed this. And as always, remember to take care of yourself today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it with your fellow bosses. Congratulations on showing up for yourself today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.